This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. Did You Read with Tim Montgomery. Welcome to Did You Read the Times Opinion Podcast. My name is Tim Montgomery and this week I'm joined by Phil Webster, Hugo Rifkin and Jenny Russell. And we are going to have a slightly different edition today to give advice to the four main party leaders because some of you have think that we have just lived through a very wet bank holiday weekend. In fact, we have lived through the most momentous political times for a century. Bigger than the elections of Attlee, Thatcher and Blair. Well, that's Nigel Farage's conclusion because he thinks when about a third of the British people actually bothered to turn out, a quarter of which voted for him, he regards that as the biggest political earthquake since 1910. So perhaps our advice to Mr Farage should be not to be so cocky, to uh, Mr Cameron not to be so posh, Mr Clegg not to be so Tory, and Mr Miliband not to be so weird. But I promise our advice will be a little bit more sophisticated than that. Phil Webster... You have some advice for the said Mr Farage. Will you uh, kick our discussion off, please? Well, my advice to Nigel is that having achieved his much-vaunted tremor, it's now time for him to level with his party and with the voters who backed him this weekend. Otherwise, a year from now, there'll be a lot of disillusioned people. There won't be an earthquake in a year's time. And even with half the weekend support, which I think is highly optimistic, he'll get no more than two or three seats. And it's time that people woke up to that. Uh, It's no good him going through the next year pretending that he's about to deliver this massive change to British politics. It won't happen. So I'd say to him, start campaigning for PR. That's the only way you can get more seats. But otherwise, stay well away from policy because that's where you get into a lot of trouble. Well, you really are attempting to deflate his uh, balloon, um, Phil. You don't take any credence and to give any credence to the report that we had in The Observer that they were thinking of targeting 20 seats, seats in Essex, seats in Kent, seats in the east of England where they, they did quite well and if they targeted their resources they could have a chance in some of them? Well I think that sort of minimalist approach is possibly their best hope of going beyond the single figure or the low single figure target that I think they're going to get but I believe in all those seats that when it comes to a straight battle between Conservative and Labour the people will go back to Tories, people will go back to Labour because they know it's a battle between those two parties for government. And it's happened before, it's happened with other parties, and I think it'll happen again. 
If he starts campaigning for proportional representation, though, he might start sounding a little bit like a liberal Democrat. I'm not, <laughs> sure, I'm not sure that's going to excite some of his more traditionalist supporters. From yes, that's, that's a slightly tongue-in-cheek <laughs> piece of advice for him. But in my view, that's the only way he ever gets... That's it, the, the only way he ever really breaks the mould is if he's got a different voting system. Break the mould? You're even talking like <laughs> a liberal Democrat now. Um, Jenny Russell, has Phil Webster given good advice to Nigel Farage? I think that we in the political world and the political establishment are in danger of being um, too complacent about UKIP um, because we've seen a lot of protest votes before. But the point about UKIP is that it's representing a great deal of anger on the part of people who really think that the political system is failing them. They don't know what their lives are for. They don't know where they belong. They don't like all the change that's happened to them. They don't see a rosier future. And at last they see somebody who appears to relate to them. Now, regardless of whether or not people in the end will think it's a Labour Conservative fight and they're the people in power and I've got to vote for them, I think that those people's anger, discomfort, alienation should be recognised and taken seriously by their political parties and not just written off as, well, never mind, those people won't count next year. And why isn't Ed... Maybe straying on some of our other topics, but why isn't isn't Ed Miliband picking up on this? He's the leader of the Labour Party. This is the party of the working class. Why can't they champion this anger and frustration? Well, I quite agree, but clearly they can't. And I think that um, Ed himself has a problem in that there's no doubt that he does look like a member of the metropolitan privileged liberal elite. And as um, many Labour... That's because he is well. Well, exactly. But, I mean, some people... I mean, Farage is a public schoolboy and he doesn't come across like one. So some people managed to cross those boundaries. One of the criticisms, and you're quite right, we're straying onto the other territory now, but some Labour MPs I was talking to at the weekend were saying one of Ed's enormous problems is that he does not spend his Saturdays knocking on doors. And they say, if you do that, that's what changes your politics, Mm. because then you hear over and over again what really matters to people. And at the moment, he hears too much stuff filtered through focus groups and analysts and advisors, and he's not getting the voices of people saying, this is what I hate about my life, and this is what I want someone to do for me. Back to to, to, to focusing on UKIP, Hugo Rifkin, where where do you stand? You're you're actually sat in our podcast studio between Jenny and um, (laughs) Phil. Do you sit halfway between them on this idea of UKIP as a fading or perhaps a stubborn representative of people's anger? Well, I think the thing to remember about UKIP is it's not the, the UKIP surge in the EU elections, it's, it's, it's very poorly characterised as a sort of working class revolution. If anything, you could call it an elderly working class revolution. And that's kind of vital because there's, there's a big difference there. And in terms of what, what advice I'd offer to Farage, not that I'd ever feel particularly inclined to, to, to offer him. Yeah, he, he doesn't but, usually but, like advice from side. the Times Nigel, <laughs> put, put, Putting our, our past troubles to one side, Nigel. Um, no, um, his problem is we've all, we've all learnt that, that we must not refer to supporters of UKIP as as fruitcakes, lunatics, and closet racists. However, UKIP has a personnel problem, which is which is to say that however kindly disposed we may be to, these days to UKIP voters, the people that they have at the top of the party, beyond Nigel Farage, are pretty odd. The next best they can do is Neil Hamilton. That's not great. And when you start looking at what's going to happen um, in uh, in a general election. Of course, you can't just have Nigel Farage standing in every seat in a general election. You're going to have to have some prospective MPs, and you're going to need more than three or four people who aren't absolute lunatics, and they're going to be hard-pressed. So 
I'd, I'd, I, if I were him, I'd consider personnel to be my real, my real problem. I mean, the, 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 he, he, I mean, the, the, he has, hasn't he, Hugo? On Monday morning after the European elections, he's, he promised us that we'd be seeing a little bit less of him because he wanted to build up his team and show that, you know, appoint a shadow yeah. cabinet of some kind. And are you being a bit unfair? You, I don't think you're being un, unfair with Neil Hamilton, but there's Patrick O'Flynn, Diane James, uh, Suzanne Fernandez, is it? There we go. You, yeah, you, I'm you, running you, out you're of number struggling three. Struggling on okay. the third name. Uh, this, <laughs> is, this is my point. The chair? who suddenly popped up after the elections. I thought he was a rather good television performer. I have no idea who he was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just Paul, wonder, Paul I know Nuttall I'm... Isn't, isn't Paul Nuttall, yeah. Paul no, Nuttall, no, no, the no, MEP no, look, for the North the, West. The, the, I wonder, actually, although we don't know them, and I'm guilty of that, I wonder, actually, if there is a, there are a dozen that he could there, there may well yeah. There may well be a dozen, but there's there's how many MEPs? What, 30-ish? Um, 25, yeah. The others aren't going to be quiet. I mean, the guy they've just elected as, as the MEP, UKIP's one MEP in Scotland, is a guy I recently had an argument with, argument with on Twitter, because he told me I was being I was being racist about kebabs. I said Nigel Farage looked like a kebab, and he said I was being racist to kebabs because we, we should be more respectful of kebabs. You know, I mean, this the kingdom these, of kebab. Is, these, um, these are the these are the very important these are the people they've 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 pulled in, and I, and I think that's going to be a genuine problem for them. Phil Webster, do you um, feel your advice is still standing in all yes, respects? Yes, I, I do. I mean, I, I, taking Jenny's point, I, I, I'm in no way dismissing. Uh, UKIP success this weekend, what it should lead to, main parties, focusing more on the issues raised by UKIP. One of the big problems with the Miliband campaign, and if you talk to fellow members of the shadow cabinet, was that they didn't engage on immigration. They didn't engage on Europe. They tried to pretend this was an election about something else. Mm. Uh, they tried to pretend it was a national election about all the other issues going on. They didn't engage on the issues that matter. And it clearly is the case that over the next 12 months, if Labour is going to get those votes back from UKIP and the Tories, they have got to engage on the issues raised by UKIP in this campaign. I think they will. Yeah. And I think, it'll, I think we will go back. You could even make an argument that the next election could easily be good old-fashioned two-party scrap rather than the, this new great era of four parties, but that's another question. It certainly is. Well, look, let's uh, move from the person who probably did best um, in the European elections to the person who certainly did least well. And um, Hugo, we're obviously talking about Nick Clegg, and mm. what's your advice to the Liberal Democrat leader? I think Nick Clegg needs to be absolutely and utterly honest he needs to uh, he needs to talk about what he's done in government, both in terms of his successes and his failures. And he needs to find a narrative that allows him to talk about talk about having failures in government, because there's no shame in having failures if you're a minor coalition party. He he, he needs to talk as a coalition party, because the Lib Dems only have a future as a coalition party. And he needs to talk about what he'd do in future coalitions, both with Labour and with both with Conservatives and and, and with Labour. Um, he he needs to um, he needs to make people realise that if they vote for the Liberal Democrats, they are voting for a coalition. And he needs to get out of the trap that all politicians fall into, is only, which is of only talking about upcoming elections as if they as if they expect to win them. Can I be direct with you, Hugo? Please. <laughs> the idea of yeah. honest Nick Clegg will strike a lot of our listeners as ridiculous. For 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 large numbers of the people, Nick Clegg is the man who broke his promise yeah. on tuition fees. And if I was to give any advice to mm-hmm. Nick Clegg, it would be to resign. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that the Lib Dems can recover so long as he's the Deputy Prime Minister. I he d- can't stand up in the debates and make any promises, be honest about anything, I without large sections of the electorate shaking their heads in disbelief. Well, f- f- firstly, 
I don't think it would help if he resigned. I'm not saying he's not in a good. He's not in a good position. I don't see how. I don't see the Liberal Democrats being better off under under anybody. They couldn't else. be worse, could they? Probably not. But then you know. <laughs> so what's the point? <laughs> but m- more to the point. Yes, he famously broke his word over over some things. That's not quite the same thing as as being dishonest. And he. Well, it's open to him to be entirely straightforward about why he broke his word, to mm. talk about what coalition means. Again, I mean, it should be possible for him to talk about the Liberal Democrats having been in government, not being able to do everything they wanted to do because they were a coalition party. Mm. And he doesn't seem to be able to define the way to talk about that. And, you know, he's, um, you, say, <clears throat> you say he's got a reputation for not being honest. In fact, he, he went out on his principles over Europe, albeit disastrously. Mm. He's got a lot of experience of... I mean, you know, but he perhaps does, one of the reasons that failed, though, was simply because of the legacy of the tuition fees except except you couldn't think you couldn't think he was insincere when he when he did it you know and he does his his lbc radio thing that he does you yeah. know he, he 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 does engage with people he does try to the explain thing is himself. The he does all of these it was something we said in saturday's leader in the times he does all of these things he's apologized for tuition fees yeah. he's, does his lbc calling he's done his farage debates he's done his differentiation with the tories and his ratings keep because he because he, he keeps talking as if he's setting out a vision for britain Okay. He's not setting out a vision for Britain. He's setting out a vision f- f- to be a minor party in a coalition government. Jeremy Russell, I'm right about this and Hugo's wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, isn't that the case? <laughs> well, Tim, I'm sure you'd love me just to agree with you. And yeah, I, and, definitely and, I would. And I think I would agree with you that probably the best thing for the party would be for Clegg to go because he's a lightning rod. But I agree with Hugo insofar as I think that Clegg has been incredibly badly treated by the public and by the press. I think he has been honest all the way through. But I think the problem is that we in this country have no idea of the accommodations that you have to make in a coalition government. Now, mm. Clegg had, could not keep his promise, inverted commas, on tuition fees because he wasn't elected. And therefore, he had to make compromises with the ruling party. He didn't have to put them up, though, did he? He could have vetoed any change it's, from it's the true, It's quo. true. And, and it's true that when you talk to Tories within government at the time, when the whole row exploded, they said that shows Clegg's naivety about politics because we offered him mm. the option of abstaining on that vote. Not, not, sorry, I don't think he could have vetoed the rise, but he could have abstained on the vote. And, and he said, no, no, I want to prove that coalitions work and I want to prove that mm. I'm a good coalition partner. And he didn't understand the consequences because I think that the Lib Dems actually behaved very honourably going into government. I think in some ways they were politically naive and they were certainly mistaken to spend the, more than the first year not saying why they were in government and not explaining yeah. their differences with the Tories. And that was a very deliberate strategy which I remember arguing with them about and writing about and saying, this is a mistake. No one is going yeah. to turn around. Hugo. I mean, well, they, have a, they have a very direct choice the Liberal Democrats which is to basically either be a party of permanent opposition or a party of permanent government and mm-hmm. why on earth they'd want to do anything that, 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 that directs them towards towards the former mm-hmm. you know someone put it to me brilliantly the other day he was talking about the tragedy of, of uh, Liberal Democrat party conferences these days and he said it's full of people sitting around dreaming wistfully about what they'd be able to do if they weren't in power you know I mean, it's, it's, it's absurd they want to be a party of government they've got to behave like one and talk like one and that means being honest about what coalition means Phil Webster well, I think the, the problem is, I, I, I personally don't think that Clegg will necessarily survive till the election. He is toxic now. One of the problems over the tuition fee thing is that he's, he's looked too much like a man who wants to keep the coalition going from his own party's point of view. I'm not convinced the Lib Dem party is does regard itself as a party of government. Mm. I'm sure that there's a, a big wedge of the party that is quite happy to be outside government. And uh, clearly what's happening... 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. This weekend has been organised. That poll didn't suddenly appear this morning out of, out of nowhere. The, 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 there's, there's an organised campaign to undermine Clegg. When the MPs come back um, and realise, well, they know what a state they're in, but when they get together and start talking, mm. I wouldn't be at all surprised if there is a move before the election. And I think that will then be accompanied by a move to weaken the coalition, not to kill the coalition, but I think they will revert to a, a confidence and supply or something even weaker than that just to get through to 2015, but differentiating themselves from the Tories. A lot of them feel it's too late and that they're the only way they can, can get any kind of showing is to prove that they've stuck with a coalition for five years, mm. but I don't think there's a majority for that within the Lib Dems. Are we convinced, Phil, that Nick Clegg wants himself to, to go on? The television pictures of him on Monday, he wasn't didn't look like a broken man, but he did look exhausted by he, everything. He looked. He, he I'm did pretty look convinced he looked like a man who'd spent a lot of the night deciding whether he should go on. Mm. And he uh, clearly he was bolstered yesterday morning. He would have got his team together yesterday morning, and then he went out and gave that interview. But the, it was one of those interviews that 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 couldn't conceal what a terrible place he was in mm. uh, yesterday morning. And uh, yeah. I, I, I think of all the party leaders, he's the one who's, who's in the shakiest position at the moment. OK, well, look, well, we've given our advice to Mr Farage, we've given our advice to Mr Clegg. If David Cameron is waiting there by on the edge of his seat, he needs to wait no longer because, <laughs> Jenny Russell, you are going to solve his electoral problems for him. Yeah, who cares about being appointed on a fat salary to work in Downing Street? I'm just going to give it to him free. <laughs> um, I think that Cameron's real problem now is that, to begin with, he was a wonderful change from Gordon Brown because he seems so calm and patrician and in control and I think that whole chairmanship mode that he's been in for the past few years is really accounting against him now he needs to look like a radical dynamic insurgent and that goes against his character although interestingly in yesterday's interviews there was suddenly a sense of energy about him when he was talking about Europe and he's got to fight internationally to get companies like Amazon and Google to pay their fair share of tax. He's got to change the rules on benefit and housing much more than he has already so that recent arrivals can't claim. He should raise the minimum wage and enforce it and he should restrict the right of the people from the EU's poorest countries to come here. It's that kind of approach which both gets more money into the exchequer's coffers so that he can spend it on the people of Britain and makes clear that he's prioritising the needs of people who feel alienated and left behind by all the changes. That will begin to make a difference I think. You, is this the authentic Cameron though? You seem to be giving the advice to the kind of Cameron, the kind of Prime Minister you'd like him to be, but it's almost a reversal of the establishment type image he, 
He has for most people. Yeah, but that's his problem. I think 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 can he change that in a year? We've had him what on the national stage now for for nine years. Can he be? Can he change to such an extent in one year? I think he could because I think actually he realises that injecting some sense of energy into his premiership is is absolutely vital. It was interesting that that was what he was doing yesterday, talking about the importance of driving through change in Europe. There's an urgency about him which we rarely see. Mm. And I've never understood why the Tories have been so quiet and slow about these moves to change tax internationally. We could reclaim billions and billions and billions if they just got concerted international agreement about how you tax multinationals. No, no, but that's the these nations to agree. Isn't he just setting himself up for failure to try and get... Do you know, in a way, I think that wouldn't matter if we had him on and off planes explaining why he's championing this and trying this and he wants to break this cartel that allows international companies to move across borders without ever paying their fair share anywhere. I think that would be very appealing to people. And in the same way, I think if he went... uh, If he made it very clear that people who arrive here can't just walk into housing, don't get welfare benefits if they can't get jobs... And it acts as if he's much act, acting much more toughly in the interests of the people who are already here. Mm. That will be appealing. Do, Hugo Rifkin, you seconding Jenny's advice? You look like not, you were nodding. Not well in in part, although I think I mean to say something perhaps quite controversial. Controversial. I think Cameron's sorted. I think he's laughing. I think he's laughing his way back into Downing Street mm. for the very simple reason that his the whole Cameron project has been to turn the Tories into... A, to, to make the Tories look like the party of the centre. Mm-hmm. The party of the centre. <laughs> and they've struggled to do that because they've been doing some essentially quite right-wing things as part of deficit reduction, as part of austerity. Suddenly, with UKIP, he's been gifted this huge movement to the right of him. Mm-hmm. They're a party of the centre. And the anti-establishment stuff, that's, that's real, but... What the what the what the the EU elections have shown is that that hits Labour much more. I mean, I know we'll come on to Ed Miliband, but that was a disastrous showing mm-hmm. in those elections. The fact that the the, the, the Tories very nearly equaled them in, the, in, in share of the vote after after four years of quite painful government shows people people don't want to, people have really don't want to vote Labour out there. Yeah, yeah. And um and so I think I think Cameron's sitting quite pretty. Um, and um, and I, that's not to say I don't think he should do it. All the stuff that, that Jenny said, of course, I, I wish he should, but I don't think he needs to. Okay, uh, F- Phil Webster, I think that's a very powerful point from Hugo. That in a way, um, David Cameron presents himself as in the middle between this left-wing Miliband and this sort of right-wing populist Farage. But there's another um, advantage he has, I think, as well, isn't there? Is he can also define himself against two parties of protest. Both Miliband and Farage look like they're almost throwing rocks. At the establishment. And I mean, Tuesday's leader in the Times, we say that David Cameron has always been at his best when he's offered a statesmanlike commitment to tackle Britain's long term problems. His best hope of building a winning coalition of voters is not to seek short term popularity, to embrace all the necessary big decisions. You know, that he is the statesman, he is the, par- the leader of the party of government. That's his other strength, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's the incumbent and he, he, he has a chance over the next year to look even more like the statesman incumbent. I would sort of say to him that he needs to take a bit of advice from John Major. The, a year out from the 92 election, Labour were well ahead in the polls. The Libs were doing well at that time. Major succeeded in the last few weeks of the 92 campaign in convincing floating Tory voters that voting Lib Dems would let in Neil Kinnock. And I I imagine tactically he will be playing that message against Farage this time for the next year. I think it'll be the message he does play. And the more he looks like... Vote Farage, get Miliband. Yeah. 
the more he looks like the, the the statesman prime minister i totally agree with all the things that jenny says i mean all of those will will define him more out there but i think the tactical side of the uh, of it all how does he get across the line having failed against gordon brown to get a majority he's got to get out there and say look you do this and and Miliband's in i think that's quite a potent message jenny i agree with hugo that Cameron is, is by far in the best position of all the party leaders, but I think we still have to remember that at the moment he's part of a minority government and his only hope of getting a large enough majority not to have to worry about making coalition partnerships is if he gets out and convinces many more of the British population than he has already that he's the person who should be leading the country. So he could just sit there and I think he will be the leader of the biggest single party bloc, but if he actually wants a majority, I think he's got to reach out beyond his core support okay well let's move on to our fourth party leader who we may think perhaps has quite a task ahead of him given what's just been said and it's um my advice to you ed miliband for which i'm sure you're very grateful and um my advice is for you to start surprising people at the moment you're looking like a very predictable left winger find something to say on tax or europe or english identity that will give david cameron and the tories something to think about at the moment, you're looking like a defensive football manager, nursing a 1-0 lead. But if your current strategy is an incredibly high-risk strategy, there simply might not be enough left-wing voters to put you in number 10. Your 35% strategy is very risky. Phil Webster, do you agree with that? As a Norwich fan, is there something too defensive about Miliband? Does he need to make a raid into the territory of his, uh, of his principal opponent? I think he, I think he does. I, the, the problem for Miliband is that, uh, as Labour MPs all admit privately, he is an issue. He is possibly the biggest block at the moment to them even being able to talk about winning an outright majority. So the, I would say the way to tackle that is for him to get into people's minds that he has every chance of becoming Prime Minister. And I think he's just got to get out there. I think he has to offer himself to every television programme that's going. He's got to almost... In the, the airwaves, he's got to get out there. He's, people have got to get used to the idea that this guy ha, is, has every chance of becoming prime minister, and then it might start to work for him. In London, people clearly are prepared to contemplate the idea of Miliband becoming prime minister. Mm. So why shouldn't that happen elsewhere? I think the only people are so doubtful about him. Every, wherever you go, you hear all these doubtful. You know, he doesn't look like a prime minister. He's weird. He's just, the more he puts himself about, the better chance he has. Are and, you? And yes, are, are you sure about that? There was a report in one newspaper at the weekend. Um, I think it was the Sunday Telegraph, where I said, you know, an MP had been on the streets all the, for about four or five weeks. He'd knocked on five, six hundred doors. And he said not one person had a positive... This was a Labour MP. Not one person mm. had a positive thing to say about Ed Miller. The but idea, stuck with the him, idea of putting him on the TV all the time sounds like a Tory strategy rather no. than a Labour strategy. <laughs> I, 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 I think he has to I implant... He has to implant in the voters' mind that he's there... You know, nobody's going to get rid of Miliband. I'm not so sure about Clegg. Miliband will fight the next election as a potential prime minister. And he really has to establish that in the mind of the voters because people don't accept that he's a potential prime minister at the moment. Right. But doesn't Jenny, his, Jenny do, do, Russell. Well, doesn't his Swindon television interview and his eating of the bacon butty seem to show that it's very dangerous for him to be on television without preparation, Phil? 
Oh, well, he's got, he's certainly got to he's got, he's I, got to I'm learn how so to sure. eat a bacon. I'm sandwich. not so sure about the bacon butter. I think uh, there was probably a lot of sympathy with. Um, <laughs> not many people can master a bacon butter. Well, certainly with cameras on him, but I, I, with, without any doubt, he's got to prepare himself better. And the, I would say the more he does it, the better he's going to get at it. He's left it late. He's only a year to go. But it's, it's no good hiding him away. It's no good hiding him away as, as this, May, this guy they're suddenly going to produce on May the 7th next year as prime minister. He's got to, he's got to be out there. People have got to get used to him. They've got to accept his faults, accept that he looks strange. And my, my, that would be my advice. Does get it, out there. Does a Hugo Rickon somehow need to embrace this strangeness? Does he need yeah. to sort of have a bit of self-deprecation about him and say, look, I may look a bit geeky, I may seem a bit odd to you, but just let me tell you what I want to do as your Prime Minister, and, I'm, I, and I will be absolutely serious, and I will make it happen. You know, th- does he need to be, show Com- self-awareness? Completely. I mean, Miliband, what ought to be Miliband's strength is that, unlike anybody else except for Farage, Miliband has a vision for Britain. It seems, seems absurd even saying that sentence because it seems grandiose, but it's true. You know, he has fleshed out what he wants his Britain to look like. It's not necessarily what I want my Britain to look like, but at least it's there. Mm. It's a vision with, with clout and with impact in a lot of places. He's a very urban creature. Britain's a very urban country. You know, he should be able to replicate his success in London, in Manchester. Well, he does up to a point, yeah. but in Manchester, in Birmingham, in Liverpool, you know, this should be what he's doing. This should be at the, at the core of what Labour does. They're never going to be a party of the, the countryside and the shire but he can be in the urban centres and speaking the language people understand. His other big thing that he really needs to do is to get the rest of his party to get off their asses. The shadow cabinet are invisible. You never see any of them. Well, I mean, you, you, you've forgotten half of them even exist, and there's a real sense that they have no faith in, them, faith in him. They're not backing him up. They're not there. If he can master some sense of leadership over his colleagues to start with, mm. then that would be a, a, a big first step. Okay, final word on, uh, in this podcast to you, Jenny Russell. I completely agree with Hugo about the shadow cabinet being invisible and that being a big problem for Miliband, but a lot of that is Miliband's fault. He's not enthusing them, he's not involving them, he's not engaging them, they don't feel like his emissaries, they feel excluded. He's running his operation with a very tight core so that other people don't feel like going out there and sacrificing themselves for him, and they're not invited to take part in the key discussions. It's the opposite of Tony Blair's big tent, and it's a disastrous strategy which he has to do something about. Jenny, thank you. Thank you, Hugo. Thank you, Phil. Uh, Phil, twice in a row, helping with our political special podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you to Dave Maguire, my producer. Thank you to most of all to you for for listening. Do, if you are a Times subscriber, and if you're not, why aren't you? Uh, Go to thetimes.co.uk slash commentcentral, where you can read some of the excellent coverage and articles giving the -the behind-the-scenes accounts of some of the issues that we've been discussing. You can also leave comments there on anything you've heard as Anya's Hewitt Smith did last week when she said UKIP will be around until all the main parties start to listen to people about their concern over Europe and do something rather than just talk about doing something so until next week goodbye this episode of politics without the boring bits is brought to you by Luton Rising owners of London Luton Airport the UK's most socially impactful airport Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.